This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome to 2022, our first show of the new year. My daughter and I were at Barnes & Noble just a couple days ago, and she overheard a conversation, and Barnes & Noble now has, I don't know if you've noticed if you've been there, but they have a selection of occult books, books on witchcraft, books on casting spells, and a lot of things uh, in that area, and right there in prime time location, right down the main aisle as you walk in at least in the store that we that we've been going to and and my my seventeen year old daughter was with me a couple nights ago and she overheard a conversation between a mom and her teenage daughter and it was an argument. The teenage girl was arguing with her mom and saying, Hey mom, I wanna buy this book on casting spells and the mom was saying, No, 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 what do you want to do that for? And the girl was, I just want to learn how to talk to spirits and the mom to her credit, said, no, you're, you're, you don't need that. And and it didn't sound like from my daughter communicated that the mom was giving her much more in the way of an answer than you don't need that. But um, when you have teenage girls arguing with their mom because they want to speak to the demonic realm, that's a sign of the times. And that young girl must have been exposed to the occult at some other place. And I had Rebecca Janung, who's a 19-year-old, and Sean Janung on last year, and they talked about how in social media for youth, they're constantly bombarded with material that is on the occult and witchcraft. And last year I saw an article on Drudge Report where the article was on why women are turning to witchcraft. So these are signs of the times. The occult has gone mainstream and evil has gone mainstream, basically, and people are celebrating it. I remember at the end of 2020, people were saying, phew, 2020 is over, maybe 2021 will be better. And then January January 6th of 2021, we had the Capitol riots, and that just started the whole year off on a you know a downward spiral a deeper one and so here we are a year later and the times we're on quite frankly speaking are darker um the murder rate in 2021 ran up in the US 30% you read of sexual depravity everywhere it's getting shoved down our throats and then you know, what is our government trying to 
celebrate and pass laws on, basically laws that celebrate evil and wickedness. And and then you come to the church where we're just as divided and split as the outside world is. And then there's the porn epidemic in the church, which is still raging, as we can testify from the amount of people who come to us for help uh, from porn addiction, other types of sexual sin, adultery, and the, the porn epidemic in the church has not slowed down. Um, if it did, I probably wouldn't be here, but um, we're quite busy, and there are a lot of people in the church just with this one issue alone who are hurting and need help. And unfortunately, part of what we see, um, we see a lot of victories and miracles and blessings and couples restored and men who break free, but we also see divorces and tragedy, even to the point of um, men going to jail. And if if you look at the news the last year, just about every day now, there's somebody, a Christian in the U.S. who's getting arrested for child pornography in a trusted leadership position. Just about every day now, there are articles coming out where there's a church leader who is being exposed for not only sexual sin, but spiritual abuse, some form of sexual abuse or sexual harassment. You may remember a couple years ago when uh, Bill Hybels Church in, in the Midwest, one of the largest churches in the country with more than 20,000 members, he went down for sexual harassment. And so God is exposing the sin of his people. And he's exposing the arrogance in the church, the pride in the church. And it's it's just getting darker. Last summer, it came out that a porn actress, not an ex-porn actress, a current porn actress and her husband set up a church in California. And I just like blew my mind because they they said they wanted to set up a church for everyone. Porn actress, not, again, not ex-porn actress, setting up a church. So what they're basically saying is, hey, have at it. You can have all the sexual depravity you want. This is good. Come on in. Um, and we and it keeps going and going. And virtually we see um, we've been exposed to people who've uh, taken their sexual sense so far that they end up in prison. I had to get involved with a call the FBI last year from somebody who did a disclosure, and this thing is destroying lives. And so this is, I'm, I'm saying that 2022 is going to be the year of the rogue Christian. And you've heard me talk about my book, The Rogue Christian, before, if you've been listening for a while. I came out with that book in 2020, and it and we talk about, I talk about in that book how our churches are not biblical churches. Our churches are not houses of prayer. Most believers, I'm talking about 85 to 90 percent, are isolated, which is the fertile feeding ground for lust and those types of sins, just about any sin. If you're isolated, if you're not meeting with another believer once a week for the purpose of prayer and support and accountability and encouragement, you're basically living the Christ Christian life on your own. And so I'm saying 2022 is going to be the year of the rogue Christian because in the dark times we're in that are getting darker by the moment, 
status quo Christianity is not going to work. It's going to continue to fail. And tragically, we see youth leaving the church. I've talked about how the numbers are showing between 60 and 80 percent of Christian youth have walked away the church away from the church by the time they're in their early 20s. I had Greg Reed on this show last year who talked about he sees 80 percent of Christian youth have walked away from the from the church. So it's critical now that we see a sense of urgency. It, it shocked me last summer. A guy actually came out and did an online course on how you can walk away from the faith. I, I it just boggled my mind that. He would put it out there. He, he eventually took it down several weeks later because he had a lot of people just flipping out on him like and complaining and and um, thankfully took it down. But this, this is another sign that status quo Christianity has failed. We have failed to equip our people to be overcomers and warriors and fighters. We have failed to talk about openly about the porn epidemic in the church. We have failed to equip people on how to be overcomers. In these areas and minister them in their pain. We've left the wives out. We've not challenged people with a faith worth fighting for. So for the rest of the show, what I'm going to do is share my story with this first show of the year. And we have some new listeners from a couple of news stations. This is being aired in the UK and the southern region of England in addition to Las Vegas, and Phoenix. So for those of you who don't know my story, I was brought up in a Christian home, uh, but our family had a lot of issues. There was little in the way of spoken affection or love or hugs, that type of thing. And then when I was at the age of 14, I was molested by a trusted female adult family member. And when that happened, it something in my mind snapped that said this just couldn't this didn't happen. There's no way this could happen. There's no this is not real. It's impossible. My mind just was not able to accept what had happened after it happened and and the memory was literally just shut away into some recess of my mind. And then right around that time, I just internalized the idea, well, if this is what the Christian life is about, what is it? What? Why? Why should I keep doing this? So, And the person who molested me was a believer in the church, by the way, going to church. So as a teen, I threw myself into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. This was in the 70s. Back then, you had to go buy a magazine. There was no, there was no internet. And I had courage, courage enough to ask the local 7-Eleven if they'd sell me as a kid porn magazines. And he didn't care. He just put the magazines in a brown paper bag and sold them to me. And I got hooked on porn and masturbation quickly, daily binges of porn and masturbation at least once a day. Uh, But that wasn't enough. Pictures can only take you so far. So I went to stripper bars, um, got picked up an STD from a one-night stand at a bar with a woman. 
and there was promiscuity. There was sex, sex with prostitutes as a single man. The thing that I probably regret the most is having an affair with a married mother of three children. This, was, this woman's husband was working at my place of employment in the 1980s, and this was around 1983, and he invited me to live in their house, but their house was, their marriage, their family was just crazy, and he was doing drugs, and I was doing drugs, and so was she, and and she and I ended up having an affair, and he was having an affair on her while we were doing that. It just, it was insanity, and... <clears throat> And then I moved in with her, and he moved in with another woman, and I, it was it was sick. And then, and then by the time I was 23 years old, I was chemically messed up. I was emotionally depressed, and this was on top of being a type A-driven workaholic because, you know, I had to find every way I could to try to fill in that hole. So work was one of them, and plus I... By my character, I'm very um, driven, and what I've learned over the years is one of your greatest strength can be also your greatest weakness, so I've learned the hard way that I need to learn how to rest and slow down and pray and seek God, and that's where I was in my 20s, and one night, I was living with the woman still, and and I just felt God nudge me. I don't know what. It was just him. And I asked her, hey, you want to go to church? This was just a whim. And she said, no, nah, I don't want to go. So it's Sunday night. I go to church. And the pastor is having, uh, he's talking about Abraham and how God called Abraham out of a place where he was living and with his father and sent him to an unknown land. And then that pastor called out and said, there are some of you here today who are listening to my voice and you're in a place where it's not good and God is calling you out of this to draw you near to him. And when I heard that, I knew I was like, wow, this, this is for me. I was just rocked. So I went and I knew that that place was living in sin with a married, with a married woman and but it took me probably up to a year to really break up with her because once you're having sex with somebody and you've created a bond it becomes very difficult to tear that tear away from that bond so eventually i left her stopped drugs stopped alcohol stopped dating girls who weren't believers but no matter what i what i tried and i probably didn't try very hard i could not kick the porn and masturbation but I figure, you know, this is just a solo thing. So I'm doing it alone myself. What difference does it make? And, you know, I feel a bit of shame, a bit of emptiness after the end. But I just, I figured at some point, maybe when I got married, um, I'd get over it. And, you know, less, that's going to fix, marriage is going to fix my lust problem. Well, I met Michelle in 88. <clears throat> we got married in February 89. And not only did my lust problem not get resolved. It got 10 times worse because when we get married, we bring all of our baggage and all of our coping mechanisms in with us. And, you know, before marriage, everybody's, both sides are putting in their best foot and their best act. But once you get married, 
Um, some of that starts to fade away and you start seeing who you really married and then what you got to deal with. And you've got two people from the opposite sex, from different screwed up families. And let's be honest here, all of us have families that have messed up, whatever word you want to use, sinful, dysfunctional, off-center ways of coping and working together. And and so my way for dealing with life had been to deal, to go turn to lust and to pornography for comfort, and it was my Band-Aid and my drug. So just six months into the marriage, my wife's getting lingerie magazines in, and she has no idea it's a problem for me. And I see them, and, and then I'm off to the races all over again, binging on porn and masturbation once a day. Only this time, I feel awful at the end because now I'm married and I'm trying to be a Christian or proclaiming that I am, but I know that I'm a hypocrite, you know, and then I do that and I have to look her in the eye and oh no. And so a year and a half after our marriage, I go on a business trip alone in a hotel in Ohio and pictures again weren't enough because lust always leaves us emptier than before. And then I act out with, I have sex with a prostitute in a hotel room. So I commit adultery and I felt so filthy and can't stand what I just did. I feel horrible and I'm just wiped in shame. I just feel so dirty and I didn't want to tell her, but I called the guy I knew and he said, you have to tell her because if you don't, you'll never have true intimacy in your marriage ever again. And I knew he was right. And I called Michelle. I was still on the road in Ohio and told her and she just started breaking down and just sobbing over and over and calling out my name, Mike. Mike, Mike. And and probably for the first time in my life, I realized this is going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my life. If I don't get help and get serious about this, I realized that I didn't just hurt her. I had broken her heart. And so I began what would be an eight-year journey to finding freedom from lust. And I went to a marriage conference at a church. And during one of the breaks, I approached a guy who was a pastor. And I told him – and I never, I never told anybody about this struggle before. So I was terrified and full of shame and – I approached him, and he had been smiling and beaming the whole time he was speaking. And so I approached him, and I said, "I, and my head's down. I'm just ashamed." And I said, "I got this problem with pornography. I barely got the words out of my mouth." And then he just ripped me a new one, and he just literally the smile vanished, and he got angry, and he said, "Just stop doing it. Just stop." And I just didn't say a word. I just walked away because I knew I was in too deep to be able to just stop doing it. So I was, my, my, internally I thought, that's it, I'm done getting help in the church. So I looked in the yellow pages, those were the days when you had to use phone books, you know, BG before Google, and found a 12-step group that was based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I went there and as I'm driving to this first meeting, I have all these pictures and visions of my mind of these sleazy guys, you know, dressed in dirty clothing. Maybe one or two have been to jail, and 
And, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm a, there ain't going to be anyone from the church there, that's for sure, because, hey, churches don't talk about this stuff, and so I must be a freak pervert or something. And I walk in, I get the shock of my life when I found out that everybody, there's probably like 15 guys in the room, everybody, every guy in that meeting was a believer. One had been a senior pastor, one had been a worship pastor. They were from every part of the church. The guy who had been a pastor had multiple affairs, and there was pornography. And and so I'm thinking, like, wow, what's what's going on here? And so that began the eight-year journey, and I don't have time for all of it, but I got a year and a half of abstinence, and I lost it. Then I got three years of abstinence from pornography and masturbation, and I lost it. Then I spent the next three years floundering. And at the end of that eight years, I just broke. I tried all this stuff. Read in Bible, my read my Bible, and I prayed every single day. Went to church every weekend. Been involved in ministry. And done everything everybody all of everything man said to do. Tons of hours in counseling, a lot of money, support groups. And I just said, God, either you're the God you say you are who can change lives or this whole church thing is just a crock. And in that moment, he showed me my heart and I thought there was something good in it. But at the moment, he showed me there was nothing good in it at all. It was just pitch black. And then he starts putting all these verses in front of me in the next weeks. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Seek the Lord. And his strength, seek his face continually. That's from Psalm 27. And I realized all my life I'd sought lust, I'd sought women, I'd sought money, I'd sought ministry success, Bible knowledge, you know, to look good, um, all the things that we go after. I never really sought God himself. So at that moment, I didn't know what I was doing. I just said, okay, God, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to go after you hard. I'm not going to let go until you reveal yourself to me. And one thing he showed me around that time was that I had not been totally with a no-compromise mentality running away from lust. Yeah, I went to the support groups and did the counseling, but when it comes to this stuff or actually any kind of sin, you can't play with it even for a moment. And he showed me I needed to go all out and choose which one he want, which one I want. I either wanted God or I wanted the lust, but I could not have them both. So after he gave me those verses about seeking him, I went after him with everything I had. And just two weeks later, I'm in the book of First John, chapter four, reading all these verses about God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And I just got depressed. I said, Lord, why is it every time I read about your grace and your love, I get depressed? And he said, because you don't believe it. The Holy Spirit spoke those words immediately after I asked that question. And then I realized all my life, God had been saying to me, I love you. And I've been saying back to him, no, you don't. You're cold, you're hard, you're condemning. Every time I make a mistake, you're out to flatten me. And so I realized I'd bought in all these lies. And then when I finally received the truth for the first time in my life, that's when all this incredible joy just burst into my heart. And it was just amazing. It's like, wow, I 
this is what the Christian life really is, is not going to church and being good. It's it's becoming alive and it's power and it's wonderful and it's amazing and and then you know, I th- still figure I'm a freak because churches aren't talking about sex or porn. And I do all, I start doing some research and I start seeing these numbers. This is back in 2000 where 50% of Christians are viewing porn and it, I was like, well, 50%, how could it be so much? Well, today those numbers are up towards two-thirds and 70%. And it's not getting better. So I want to challenge each one of you. If you're in bondage, do not play with this stuff. If you're in church leadership, we need to open this thing up wide on a Sunday morning. And we cannot hide our failures, our faults, and our sins. We have to face the fact that the American church and other churches in other countries are corrupt with sexual sin. If you need help, our contact information is at the end. Let us hear from you. We'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.